G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Telling your story is a powerful bridge for the gospel message. And so be truthful in telling your story. Coming up today, Pastor Greg Laurie encourages us to tell people what God has done for us, but to make sure it's the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Sometimes people will say, I've given up so much to follow God. I've made such sacrifice. Hi, hey, you gave up hell, buddy. Don't boast about what you gave up for God. Boast of what He gave up for you. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. We're glad you've joined us today here on A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. Today, he's explaining that our story of what Christ has done for us can show people what Christ can do for them. Some good insight on relaying our story or our testimony most effectively is coming up today. It's part of Pastor Greg's series, Tell Someone. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever shared your faith with someone, raise your hand. If you shared your faith, okay, good. How many of you have ever led a person to Christ? You've led them in prayer personally. Okay, good. Now, very impressive, by the way. Um, how many of you have never led someone to Christ? Don't be embarrassed. I will not mock you, I promise. It's okay, it's okay. All right, good. Hey, what's the problem, man? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I wanna help you with that. Because I believe that opportunities are everywhere and we just need to kind of tune in. Kind of like on the radio. You get tuned to that frequency. You need to tune in to the frequency of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, lift up your eyes. The fields are white to harvest. Now sometimes we'll ask someone if they want to believe in Jesus Christ and they say, no. Okay. Sometimes we ask someone that they want to believe in Jesus Christ and they say yes. And sometimes Someone who isn't a believer asks us how to come to Christ. Has that ever happened to you? Happened to me a number of years ago, interestingly, with my father. Now, I told you my mom was married and divorced seven times. I had a full-time ministry sharing the gospel with my mother's former husbands. Not kidding. I tried to reach everyone. And uh, I told you a story about one that I was able to reach uh, toward the end of his life. But... Um, you know, in the midst of all these guys, my mom married into divorce, she picked one guy that I thought was fantastic. He was an attorney from New Jersey and his name was Oscar Laurie. And he adopted me and he gave me my name, of course. And he treated me as a father should treat a son. He gave me an allowance. I had to do chores. I have to be responsible. And I felt myself calling him dad. And though he was not my biological father, I felt and still feel he was my father. And so I loved him and that's why it was so hard when I 
came out of school one autumn day in New Jersey and the black Cadillac is packed to the gills with suitcases. And I say, what's going on? She says, we're leaving New Jersey and we're going to Hawaii. And I said, where's dad? And my mom said, he's not coming. Well, I didn't see him for years. So now fast forward many years. I've become a Christian. I'm married. We have one son at this point, Christopher. And uh, I was invited to speak in New York City. So I thought, I wonder if my dad is even still alive. So because he was an attorney, I had a girl in our church that worked for the Bar Association uh, track him down. She found him immediately. He was living in a place called Red Bank in New Jersey. So I called his office. And, and I remember, I haven't talked to him for years. And, and I called and I said, um, hi, is uh, Mr. Lorian? The secretary said, I'm sorry, he's out to lunch. Uh, I said, well, will you tell him I called? She said, well, what's your name? I said, Greg Laurie. She said, how do you spell your last name? <laughs> I said, the same way he does. L-A-U-R-I-E, and I'm his son, so please tell him to call me. I got a call quickly afterwards. Greg, he says, come and visit us. Come to our home after you're done speaking. So I did my speaking engagement there in New York. We got on the train, pulled in the station. I get off, and there's my dad. He, he looks just like he looked before, a little older, of course, but it was just such a great time, and we reconnected, and before I knew it, I'm calling him dad again. So I sit down that night at dinner. I met his nice wife, Barbara, a uh, nice Italian Catholic lady, an amazing cook. She whipped us up an Italian feast, fantastic. And after we're done eating, uh, Barbara says, Greg, tell me all about your faith and how you became a Christian and how you became a minister. I said, okay, Barbara. And I'm sharing my testimony, my story. And as I'm speaking, she's like responding to everything I'm saying. That's great, that's great. And on the other side of the table, there sits my father. He has his hands kind of up to his face, kind of like, like this. And I feel like I'm in a court of law and he's the judge. And I'm giving my testimony, literally, <laughs> and I feel like I'm not doing very well because he's not reacting, no visible reaction. So I thought, okay. So I shared the whole story and uh, she said, thanks for sharing that story. And I was getting ready to go to bed. And my dad asked me if I would walk with him in the morning. One very important detail I left out. He had just had a heart attack about two months before, blacked out at the steering wheel of his car and ran into a pole and almost killed himself. So now he's on medication, he has to change his diet, and he has to walk every morning. So he says, will you walk with me in the morning, Greg? Yes, Dad, I will. So I get a knock on the door, you know, um, six o'clock in the morning, New Jersey time, three o'clock in the morning, California time. So I'm like, oh, so tired. Oh, and so we're walking along and the brisk New Jersey air is hitting us in the face. I'm still kind of waking up. And my dad says to me, Greg, I listened very carefully to what you said last night. I said, right. And he said, I want to become a Christian right now. It's like, wake up, call, boom. I'm like, what? what? I wasn't expecting this. So I said, well, you need to pray and ask Christ to come into your life. We're in a park at this point. He drops to his knees. I'm like, oh, and so I get down to my knees. I wasn't going to kneel in the park, but since he was there, I thought I'd get down there with him. And so I lead him in this prayer and he prays it so sincerely. And after we're done praying, he says, Greg, I, I feel like Jesus just came on my life. Pray for my heart now, Greg. Pray for my heart. I believe God wants to heal me. Okay. <laughs> really? Let's pray. And I prayed for his heart. So then we're done praying. He gets him. He says, I want to go over to my doctor's office. It's right near here. And I want to tell him, I just asked Jesus in my heart and my heart's healed. Now, Dad, we don't know if your heart's healed. No, I want to talk to him. 
So we walk over into the doctor's office, a nice Jewish gentleman, and um, my dad walks in with me. He says, this is my son Greg Laurie. He's a preacher from California. Already that doesn't sound good to an East Coast person. <laughs> preacher from California. And I just accepted Jesus in my heart, doc, and my, I believe he healed my heart. Doctor saying, now Oscar, calm down. We don't know. He ran a bunch of tests on him. Guess what? His heart was better. And God gave him 15 more years. Amazing. Now why do I tell you that story? Because you never know when it's going to happen. Sometimes you think you're making so much progress and you're ready to close the deal and they don't want to pray. And then there are times when you think you've made no progress and actually you've made more than you thought. That's why Paul says, uh, one sows, another waters. God gives the increase. We all play a role in the salvation of others. Some of us sow the seed through our godly living. Others water the seed through maybe something we said or did for a person and mentioned our faith. And others reap where others have sowed and watered. But I think there comes a moment when you gotta just grab it. Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, sharing about individual personal stories and the importance of our testimony. He's offering some really practical help today for evangelism in his message called How to Lead Others to Jesus. There's more to come, so let's continue. There is not a one-size-fits-all approach to evangelism. And I bring this up because some people are rather robotic in their sharing They say the same things over and over again. And I think you need to adapt to a situation. And Jesus, of course, is our model in this in the story of the woman at the well that we looked at last time together. He's engaging her. He asks her for a drink of water. Initially, she's sarcastic. She's flippant, even cynical. But he's beginning to get closer now And the woman makes this amazing statement in John 4, verse 25. She said, well, I know Messiah is coming, who is called Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus says, I who speak to you am he. In other words, girl, you're talking to him right now. Because remember, he told her, you're living with a guy right now. She didn't think anyone knew that. Jesus knew it. Says, yeah, you've had five husbands. You're shacking up with some dude, right? Okay, so I know. She's like, Oh, well, we know when Messiah comes, he'll know all things. Yeah, I'm the Messiah. And she believes it right there on the spot. John 4, 28, the woman left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? So this brings me to my first point. If you're taking notes, point number one, telling your story, also known as your testimony, is a powerful bridge for the gospel message. Again, telling your story, your testimony, is a powerful bridge for the gospel message. It's one of the most effective tools you have in your evangelistic toolbox. This woman, only minutes old in the faith, immediately goes out and tells others. Now, here's why your story is important. Because people can argue with the facts, but they can't argue with your story. See, you might say something about God and say, well, I disagree with that and you can have a debate or however you want to approach it, but when you tell them your story of what happened to you, they can't debate you. It's what happened to you. So it's a great way to start a conversation. And listen, it's also a great way to share with someone without preaching at them. In other words, 
If I say, you need to accept Jesus Christ right now. You need to turn from your sin. And by the way, there's a place for that. But if I say that, a person might be put off saying, hey man, don't preach to me. So if instead I say, let me tell you my story. You know, I wasn't raised in the church. Uh, this is where I came from. This is what I used to do. And now I'm finding common ground with them. And, and then I say, but one day I went to a crusade or I went to a church service or a Christian came up to me and said this. And you know, when they said this statement, I realized I needed God. So you're telling your story, but at the same time, you're sharing the gospel with them. And this is a great way to begin. John 4.39 says, The Samaritans of the city believed in Jesus because of the word of the woman who testified, He told me all that I ever did. You know, the Apostle Paul was a great orator, a brilliant intellect. Yet in almost every occasion when he stood before non-believers, he began with his testimony. And I think one of the best ways to start your presentation of the gospel is tell what God has done for you. Here's just a few takeaway tips on sharing your story. Number one, don't glorify or exaggerate your past. Don't glorify or exaggerate your past. Accuracy is important, so is truthfulness. I bring this up because I've heard people give their testimony and then maybe I don't see them for a while and I maybe hear them 10 years later and I'm thinking, wow, the testimony's a little more dramatic than it was 10 years ago. <laughs> now either they went back and did a whole bunch of new stuff or they're exaggerating. And so be truthful in telling your story. And this is another thing. Don't boast about what you gave up for God. Boast of what He gave up for you. Don't boast about what you gave up for God. Boast about what He gave up for you. Let me illustrate. Sometimes people will say, you know, I was living the best life partying and women and money and drugs. Oh, man. And then I came to Jesus. And all of a sudden you have this weird accent. Jesus. And now I carry the old rugged cross. And then you might say, I've given up so much to follow God. I've made such sacrifices. I, hey, shut up. <laughs> you want to know what you gave up? You gave up guilt. You gave up a big hole in your heart. Newsflash, you gave up hell, buddy. Hell. What did God give you? Fulfillment, purpose, the removal of guilt the absolute certainty that you will go to heaven when you die. Don't tell me what you gave up for God. Tell me what God gave up for you when he sent his son to die on the cross in your place. That's a good testimony. <laughs> Point number two. As we bring the gospel, we need to speak in a language people understand. I mentioned earlier, you can't use Christianese. People don't know what you're saying. You know, when you walk up to a person and say, hey, you, heathen, uh, Philistine, come here for a second. Have you repented? Are you justified? Are you sanctified? Are you washed in the blood? And are you part of the body? You know, you might as well just landed from another planet. They don't know what you're saying, so speak their language. Listen to this. The days of cultural Christianity are over. What do I mean by that? Well, there was a time in America, especially closer to our uh, birth, when we had a strong Judeo-Christian ethic in our culture. It was in everything that we did. But as time has passed and we've progressed, if you want to use that word, others might say regress. I would certainly choose that term. 
And as we've gotten away from this, we don't see cultural Christianity like we used to see it. And there was a time when you'd go up to someone and tell them about Jesus and I'd say, I'm already a Christian. But you know, a lot of people don't say that anymore. <laughs> cultural Christianity is over with. There's just a lot of people now that don't profess faith in Christ at all. And I read an interesting article in USA Today that talked about the fastest growing religious group in America. You want to know who they are? They're called the nuns. Not N-U-N-S, but N-O-N-E-S, the nuns. According to this article, this religious group doesn't have any faith affiliation, uh, but they're the nation's second largest category, second only to Catholics. What do the nuns believe? This article says nothing in particular. They're just open to spirituality. You ever engage a person about Jesus and they'll say, well, I'm into spirituality. That's who the nuns are. One person said, who identifies with them, they just let go of their belief. There's not much I can prove. So instead of saying I believe, I say, well, maybe or who knows. They believe in reincarnation and astrology. And 58% of them feel a deep connection with nature and the earth. Guess what? There's nothing new under the sun. This goes back thousands of years. So how do you reach a culture like this? The answer is simply this, with a powerful message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what our culture needs to hear. Paul says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and our salvation to everyone who believes. Listen, the gospel is filled with power. I don't need to edit it. I don't need to add to it. I don't need to subtract from it. I don't need to apologize for it. I need to just proclaim it and stand back and watch God work. That's true. Our job is to let the lion out of the cage. Pastor Greg Laurie with some great insight today and all this week in fact on A New Beginning in a series called Tell Someone You Can Bring Others to Jesus. So do we really know the importance of sharing the gospel? What is it and how do we make sure we're presenting it properly? Pastor Greg has important insights on that next time right here on A New Beginning. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called How to Lead Others to Jesus. Now, if you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast. Or for a copy on CD, contact Vision Christian Store on 1-800-00-5011 or go to visionstore.org.au. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.